So, Rachel? Yeah? In pursuit of Ferengi marauders, the Enterprise and its quarry become trapped by a mysterious planet that is draining both ships' energies. Hmm. What do you think you're going to get? I think that Troy will give us a lot of exposition about the Ferengi. Mm-hmm. Worf will not be able to stand them, but he'll be cool about it anyway. And the planet will be draining their energy without meaning to. Data will try another joke. Hmm. Those all sound very plausible. Let's find out. Okay. Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log, Stardate 41386.4. We're in pursuit of a starship of Ferengi design. Our mission is to intercept and recover a T9 energy converter which the Ferengi stole from an unmanned monitor post on Gamma Tauri 4, a theft which automatic scanners recorded, providing us with the long-awaited opportunity to make close contact with a Ferengi vessel. If we succeed in this chase, it will be Starfleet's first look at a life form which, discounting rumor, we know almost nothing about. There she is. This show is dedicated to our beautiful captain, Eric S. Fallon, MD. Eric, if you're listening to this, we are thinking of you. We know you're super busy right now helping to save the world and <laughs> people's well-being. And uh, thanks so much for your support of the show. Thank you so much, Eric. The show that Eric is supporting is called... The Last Outpost. No, Rachel watches Star Trek. All right. <laughs> now I remember. <laughs> so confused. These are strange times. So welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I'm Chris Lackey. And we are at RachelWatchesStarTrek.com and, of course, Patreon. This week's episode is called The Last Outpost. It is the first appearance of the Ferengi, which are a mainstay in Star Trek to come. <laughs> I know they are, because when we went to the con, there was a Ferengi family reunion. But I thought they'd be a little bit more friendly than they are in this episode. <laughs> Let's get into it, shall we? The Enterprise D is pursuing a Ferengi vessel suspected of stealing a Federation-owned T9 energy converter from Gamma Tori 4. What's that? What's an energy converter? It converts one form of energy into another form of energy. Hmm. So let's say you need heat energy and you want to convert electricity into heat energy. Yeah. The point is, it's something that they want. The MacGuffin. If you will. What's MacGuffin? That is a story plot item. It's mm. the thing that people want. In Raiders Lost Ark, it's the Ark of the Covenant. That's the MacGuffin. So the MacGuffin is, in this one, the T9 energy converter. What's our MacGuffin, then, for this show? A MacGuffin, I think, <laughs> has to be an object. Oh, okay. Some movies don't have MacGuffins. They work on people's emotional quests and journeys. Yours is to get me to like Star Trek. Sure, that works. They finally get visual contact with the Ferengi for the first time. Nobody has seen them, supposedly. Which They see their ship. They don't see them yet. No. Yeah. Cool it, ship. Yeah, it's a neat design. I find it hard to believe that the Federation, with all of its resources, has no idea what Ferengi look like. Yeah, well, this is the last outpost. They're probably very far away. Sure. They're always at the edge of the universe, though, aren't they? But, eh, okay. Nearing a planet in the Delphi Ardu system, the Ferengi ship goes to sub-warp speed and then fires on the Enterprise, causing minimal damage. Cheeky. Being the diplomat, Picard decides not to fire back. Hmm. However, the Enterprise suffers from a power drain that causes the ship to not have the juice to even move. They are near this planet. Picard is very reserved here, isn't he? Really trying to prevent conflict, even mm-hmm. though they've already been fired on. And they've stolen property. He wants to open up negotiations with them. That's more important than mm. 
this object. Yeah, he seems to be a man who can definitely put his anger and ego aside to do oh. it the right way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But is this a bit like when Kirk split into angry Kirk and ineffectually peaceful Kirk? How is he being ineffectual? <laughs> but Kirk was when he had his anger and motivation taken away. Was it the motivation side? Yeah, but... Decision making? Picard still has He's it. He's decisive. He, just, he has it under control. Mm-mm. That's the big difference there. Yeah. Is he like a Spock Kirk love child? Boy, I never really thought of him that way before, but that does seem pretty apt. That's what you'd want, isn't it? Well, that's what anybody would want. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Listen out for our slash fiction bonus content <laughs> later this month. <laughs> it's not a male-on-male one this time, for those who are interested in uh, oh, right. data and yar. It's a data and yar yeah. exploration. Yes, that will be interesting, I hope. <laughs> about their power drain, data says that they know little about the Ferengi. Well, the best description may be traitors. What kind of traitors? A comparison modern scholars have drawn from Earth history likens the Ferengi to the ocean-going Yankee traders of 18th and 19th century America, sir. From the history of my forebears, Yankee traders. Who, in this case, sail the galaxy in search of mercantile and territorial opportunity. And are these scholars saying that the Ferengi may not be unlike us? Hardly, sir. I believe the analogy refers to the worst quality of capitalists. The Ferengi are believed to conduct their affairs of commerce on the ancient principle caveat emptor. Let the buyer beware. Is this a big thing in, in American history, the Yankee traders? Not really. No? I've never heard of them before, but I mean, capitalism is. Why are you called Yankees? Is it because of this? Maybe. Or are they called Yankee traders because they were already calling Americans that? Don't know. Oh, man. Well, Riker's very excited about it. <laughs> he has studied it in history and he loves it. <clears throat> the phrase is said about 5,000 times. He loves talking about Yankee traders. The Ferengi evolve a lot as Star Trek goes on. We get the Ferengi main character in Deep Space Nine, Quark. He's more of a likable rogue mm -hmm. than these kind of creepy scuttling around <laughs> yes. monkey type dudes. Yeah. Armin Shimmerin, who plays Quark, Mm. also plays one of the Ferengi in this episode. Right, I heard that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he's uh, going to have a chance to do this character again. Well, it's rather not than live out this dream for the rest of his life, how horrifyingly he did it. Well, one, I don't blame him. <laughs> no. He's a really good actor. Obviously, this is what they wanted him to do. Yes. And three, they're a lot more nuanced as the series goes on. Yeah. But they still stick to this whole evil capitalist vibe. Profit is above everything else. And it's stark contrast to the socialist utopia that the Federation is meant to be. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I was reading something when I was looking at racism last week, and I'm opening up a Pandora's box here yeah. without any knowledge. So sorry. So, yeah. But someone had said that the actors playing the Ferengi are Jewish, and they uh, see it as a Jewish stereotype. Oh, no. Re-money or... I didn't even I think don't know about it. If that's a thing, that person thought it was a thing. You can put anything on anything, can't you? I, yeah, I think that that's kind of misplaced. Yeah, they're being racist I think, by yeah, saying exactly that it's like a Jewish stereotype. Yeah, that yeah. that feels racist. That comment seems to be racist to me. But I, you know what? Who? Oh, man. <laughs> Racism is a very oh. complicated mess, and it's hard to know what is going on yep. with people's intentions. But I don't think that there was any intent and i've been watching star trek for a long time and i've never heard that before and it's mm -hmm. never even crossed my mind so yeah yeah let's sweep that to one side 
Please. So Riker and LaForge come up with a way to use some timing variance thing, but it ends up doing nothing. What were they trying to do? <laughs> it's techno babble, is what oh, it is. Okay. It's a bunch of BS that doesn't yeah. mean anything. Obviously, this was just something for them to do. Like in story structure, they've got a problem. They need to try and address the problem, mm -hmm. but they can't solve the problem because then the show would be over. So they've got to keep yeah. them doing different things. And the shield variants, there was some lag in how it drained power. And then they figured, oh, well, we can modulate it in that variance and blah, blah, blah. Just space talk to make them look smart and it, let them try and. Exactly. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Picard decides to try and call up the Ferengi, maybe to talk surrender with them, but they don't get an answer. The computers are being accessed by someone remotely. Mm. The Ferengi, they assume. Troy points out that, that maybe it's not the Ferengi causing the problem and they're totally ignoring the planet. Yeah. And then people just ignore her. Oh, do they? Yes. I thought it was a great point that she made. I he, thought Picard took her up on it. No, he doesn't. Not for a while. Oh. Because they don't know what's going on until later on when they actually talk to the Ferengi. It's like the therapist who cried some useless bit of information. He's just zoning her out now. Yeah. It's not good. No. Picard takes the senior officers to the observation lounge and gets everyone's opinion on what they think they should do. Picard decides to call the Ferengi up and ask them about surrendering terms. Hmm. Worf is not a Ferengi fan. Yay, called something. Mm -hmm. This is the most passionate we've seen him so far. Yeah. He's trying to hold it back, but you can see there's a real bristling anger under there. Yar is also determined to go on the offensive. Well, they've been attacked. That makes sense to me. So but Worf's clearly got a history with them. I just think he doesn't like them. Mm, I think he went to high school with one. <laughs> well, that would be strange since nobody knows what they look like. <laughs> no one asked him. <laughs> Worf really needs to start volunteering information. Yeah. So the Ferengi Daimon Tar answers. They say the humans are <laughs> ugly and they don't like to do face-to-face -face conversations. And clearly they didn't get all this into Picard's message. The Ferengi agree to Picard's request for visual contact, even though it's not their custom. And we see the Ferengi for the first time. Yes, the ugliness of the Uman was not an exaggeration. I do not know how your twisted alien culture has paralyzed our vessel, but I concede your enterprise is superior. We will return your worthless T9 device, and we offer the lives of our second officers as required by the Ferengi code. Fortunately, Starfleet has no such rules involving its second officers. Is this to your satisfaction, Picard Captain? Your offer may be inadequate, but I will discuss it with my staff. Stand by for further communication. Oh, you got lucky, Picard Captain. What was with Data's aside? What? Starfleet has no such rules involving our second officers. Why was that needed? <laughs> it's a joke. Is it a joke? <laughs> Okay, so it turns out the Ferengi want to surrender to the Enterprise. They think it's the Enterprise that has them stuck there, and Picard lets them think that. Mm. So they finally figure out it's from the planet. It's got both ships trapped. Next time, maybe, listen to Troy. Yeah, I take it all back. She's good. So this Diamantar Ferengi has his face rammed up right against the camera, so his head's massive on their view screen, isn't yeah. he? Maybe they hadn't finished the costume when they filmed that bit. Could be, and it has an all-white background, so you don't see the yeah. interior of the ship either. Yeah, it's kind of fun because it's like someone who's never used FaceTime or something. They don't have visual contact usually, do they? So yeah. this is not really a thing for them. I thought it was quite characterful. I liked the in-your-face-ness of it. Mm. The ridge into ears makeup is quite impressive, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Wow, and bald with the bum sort of back of the head. Yeah, yeah. The teeth are white and pointy. Mm -hmm. They could definitely tear, but they couldn't bite. So no apples. <laughs> the voice is 
caveman. Yeah. And the word order's all mixed around. Get Picard, Captain. You humans. Are they sticking with that? No. Except for human. They <laughs> still call them humans all the time, which is pretty funny when they do. Yeah, because they talk like normal people oh, after okay. this point. I like quirky ways of speaking, but universal translator. Yeah. These are the only people it's translating the words out of order. Yeah. And in an accent. Man, don't. Get me started on the Universal Translator. <laughs> We've already done that. I, a lot of it we're going to see, there's a lot of Klingon stuff in Next Gen. Mm. So the Klingons will sometimes speak Klingon and then sometimes speak English. Yeah. That's so, to make it rich for us though, isn't it? But like, so how's that, what's the Universal Translator doing there? It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Oh, I like how he keeps saying how gross the humans look. Hmm? It's a silly joke, but I think it works all right. Yeah. Different perspective from an alien yeah. culture, obviously one that we would consider probably ugly most people would yeah, i think but picard and co are too nice to say that of course the senior staff have another talk in the observation lounge first Riker has to clear out a couple of kids who are playing in there willy-nilly boys will be boys he says as he swats them out of there this is very sloppy this whole having families on the ship thing this is advanced technology they should have some sort of sensor that yeah. doesn't allow them in yeah get cat collars on them <laughs> they all wear comm badges, and the comm badges should allow them entry into wherever they're going. Yeah, but how easily can they be taken off? We've already seen. Swap those. Easy. But they're just little kids. Yeah. It seemed pretty silly, really but I, I think that they're just trying to show you that there are families around and that that's what's In going danger. on. In danger. In danger, yes. The stakes are much higher. Yeah, and it shows how good Riker is with kids. Mm. Data explains the history of the planet and the system, all the while getting his fingers stuck in Chinese finger cuffs. This bit is uncomfortable and not funny. It's beneath them. It's this so bit of business. Yeah. And then you cut to the characters smiling affectionately at him, then cut back to us rolling our eyes and looking at the clock. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With some help from Picard, Data is able to get out of the finger cuffs. I don't know why he couldn't figure that out. Uh, I mean, yeah? he's super smart, yeah. but okay, yeah, he gets tripped up on that one. Data explains that the planet was the most distant outpost of the Takan Empire, an ancient civilization that existed 600,000 years ago, and they were all killed off when their star went supernova. Picard decides to try and team up with the Ferengi to go down to the planet. Now, the Ferengi are not happy about their earlier deception, but are interested in getting out of their situation and agree. So Riker, LaForge, Data, Worf, and Yar beam down. Now, the transporter, it's all messed up, probably from some atmospheric things or technology on the planet, but they get spread out all over the place. They're mm. transported to different locations. Yeah, it wasn't clear how that happened. Some of them are upside down. Yeah, yeah. They start to find each other, but then they are attacked by the Ferengi and stunned with their energy whips. Ooh. Such a lame weapon. Aww, I thought it was all right. <laughs> it's a bit like a taser. But it's so unwieldy and yeah. huge and uh, impractical. They actually have to, like, whip it. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to just pressing a button on a phaser. You got warp technology and transporters, but you, <laughs> you, gotta, you need these whips. You gotta whip it. This is the only time that they use them because oh. they quickly realize it is a bad idea. Ah, Now we see the Ferengi's full length 
There's three of them, totally humanoid except for their heads. They've got leggings on and little furry waistcoats, prancing around like apes. I mean, they're really going for it. Yeah. So the power is almost totally drained out of the Enterprise and they're losing life support. Time to bust out the frozen effect again. <laughs> Troy's handing out blankets. Now, there is a weird exchange between Picard and Dr. Crusher. She mm. says that she was considering giving Wesley a sedative so that when he freezes to death, he won't feel pain, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. And Picard says that he should face death awake. And Crusher says, is that a male perspective? Mm. And then he dismissively says, rubbish. Yeah, and then walks away. Rubbish? He did say rubbish. Yeah. I looked on the script. Okay, yeah. Or maybe so that he wouldn't be frightened to face death. A little nugget of philosophy or morality here just sort of thrown in without any time to digest it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? It detracts from the main story, I think. Because they don't go anywhere with it. No. It's just, I guess, maybe some character stuff showing that Picard has this kind of strange sense of honor that one should face death totally conscious. And Beverly is... She's got the motherly perspective. Yeah. You know, wanting to help people and protect them from pain and suffering. It's yeah. odd, really. He's not his dad, is he? No, not at uh, all. It's clunky. The thing about this script is that it was rewritten numerous times. It had lots mm. of people's fingers in it. They went and said, okay, look, new rule. You can't rewrite stuff unless you're a writer. Yeah, one of the lawyers went in and rewrote it. Yeah. So, new rule. <laughs> new that rule. should have to be a rule. <laughs> I just love that. Again, that game balderdash where you have to say which one of these is a true law. Yeah. And why did they have to put it on the law yeah. books? Yeah. Obviously, somebody did some messed up stuff. <laughs> Not allowed to parade your sheep wearing full bridal regalia down the high street or something. Someone did it. So the Ferengi are checking out the knocked out Riker's comm badge. And then a thunderbolt hits and it hurts their sensitive ears. And at this point, the gang was faking it. They spring to action. And then Worf comes in. He fights off some of them. And Yar shows up with a phaser and they all stop fighting. Yeah, nice to see some hero moments for Worf and Yar. Well, but the setting is so lame. And the pace yeah. is like a bad TOS episode. It they is. They haven't even tried, really. It's rough. It is rough. And this bit here, they show Worf as being tough. He still loses the fight. It's not until Yar shows up with the phaser that they back off. Mm. And this is the first of many times. This isn't something I haven't noticed. This is a joke about Worf. Worf is sort of the tool the storytellers use to show how tough the opponent is. So, like, Worf oh. is a badass, tough Klingon. So, if this baddie can beat up Worf, this baddie must be tough. Oh, but they've never actually established that Worf is tough. Exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. So, we never see Worf winning a fight. Oh. But this yeah. would have been a great opportunity for it. Yeah. And he did take on two of them at once and was doing okay. But eventually, in the fight, he loses. Mm. So, it would have been better if he wasn't in the scene or he got stunned right away or some other effect. But, man... This is something to pay attention to because it gets funny after a while. Poor oh, Worf, poor always Worf. getting beaten on. Uh. So the Frankie are creeped out that the humans let their females wear clothes. Uh. This show is constantly patting itself on the back for having female characters. <laughs> they have to have every alien marvel at it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. A figure appears and screams loudly, hurting the ears of the Frankie. It's yet another bearded head of an energy being. All my energy is being drained. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
The energy being says it is Portal 63, a guardian of the Takan Empire, and asks if they want to enter. Riker and Data try to explain that the Empire was wiped out hundreds of thousands of years ago, but the Ferengi, they try and suck up to the Guardian, mm -hmm. telling it what they think it wants to hear. The Ferengi call the humans barbarians. The fact that they aren't capitalists and that they let their women wear clothes proves it. <laughs> wow. Are they sticking with this? Or are there no female Ferengis? Well, they do stick with it, but <laughs> it is actually quite comical in Deep Space Nine. When yeah. the Ferengi women show up, there's a whole women's lib movement on Ferengi. So oh. there's a woman that shows up clothed oh. and it's a big deal. And yeah. it's pretty funny because it's... Intentionally. Yeah, it's intentionally funny. Yeah. I think they're sticking with their guns on it and realizing how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Riker says he'll do whatever he has to do to prove that they're innocent. So Riker is challenged and the Guardian attacks him with a bladed pole arm. Riker doesn't defend himself and the Guardian stops the attack. Mm. Riker says that fear is the true enemy, the only enemy. What does this say about Riker? I'm not sure what this phrase means. So I think we have to disassemble this phrase. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That was one of the presidents, wasn't it? FDR said that. Maybe what it is is that fear is what motivates people to do aggressive, horrible things. Yeah. Fear of injury, fear of running out of resources, those types of things. If people weren't afraid, they wouldn't do dumb or violent, aggressive things. Maybe that's saying that Riker is very thoughtful about his actions and he's not just kind of a jump in and kick ass and ask questions later kind of guy. But he's not fearful enough to even dodge away from a speeding weapon. I mean, I knew what was going to happen and the guy's telegraphing it pretty hard, I think. He was just saying, this is a test. You're being tested right oh, now. Okay. You have to make a decision right now to be tested. You know, he kept kind of saying that over and over again. And I think Riker was supposed to understand. It's like, oh, I'm not supposed to fight. And he didn't. And yeah. he was trusting that. Could have squatted down, though, couldn't he? But it looked more badass that he just stood there, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I was confused. The portal knew all of this already. It was just testing them because it accessed their computer banks mm. earlier. That was that whole thing. It knew Riker's name. So he also, again, knew that this was part of the test and was able to have faith that he wasn't just going to kill him outright, I guess. Yeah, and that it knows the Ferengi are baddies. Yeah. So at that point, since he's passed the test, the Guardian is all buddy-buddy with him. Mm. And Riker says, hey, would you mind restoring power to our ship? And the Guardian does. This is a worn one. The Tranya kid nearly killed them all, and then they walked off arm in arm teaching each other stuff. <laughs> and it feels like that. It happened in the animated series as well. I can't remember which. Oh, right. Yeah, and buddied up with the light being that nearly killed them or something. Imagine throughout this entire conversation, though, the Ferengi as photobombing chimps. The camera keeps moving away from them, but they keep lolloping back into shots. It's really distracting. It really did. You can't pay attention to anything that's being said. Yeah, and they are on the yeah. entire time. So the portal explains to Riker that normally they would have just destroyed both ships, but they saw them working together, though they were different species. And this intrigued the Guardian. So the Guardian asks if he should destroy the Ferengi, but Riker says no. They wouldn't learn anything if you did. To which the Guardian says, what if they never learn? And Riker says, well, our values are to let them try and face the possibility of us letting them do that bite us in the ass. Mm. Yeah, that's a good concept. It's very Starfleet, isn't it? Yeah. It's a risk to let somebody possibly develop to be more powerful than you and come back and get you mm -hmm. by letting them go. I'm trying to think of other times it's happened. Is it that kind of cliff edge moment where you don't stamp on their hand? And you let them get back up yeah. again <laughs> or yeah. something. Yeah, I think but it I is. I wouldn't have expected any less. Of it, course. It wouldn't be Starfleet to say, yeah, kill them all. 
<laughs> no. What do you think of it? It seems very Starfleet to me. It has that mm -hmm. very high ideal that like we have to do the right thing, even though it might hurt us. Our values are what make us who we are. Yeah, but it's also very Starfleet not to give them any punishment at all. Yeah. <laughs> Just send them off on their way. Well, they wanted to know more about the Frinky, and obviously they learned a lot more about mm -hmm. them. So as explorers, it's given them a lot of information. Yeah, they would have killed them, though, wouldn't they? The Ferengi? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they would have. <laughs> now they know to be careful of the Ferengi. Yeah, I guess so. So Riker asks the Guardian what he's going to do now, and he says, ah, go back to sleep until I'm needed again. <laughs> needed so, again, bye. Who? Oh, he's gone. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was a really weird mm. thing. It's like, wait, who's going to need him? What's going to yeah. happen here? Hasn't the whole planet been destroyed? Your whole empire whole is empire. gone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's quite sad, actually, when you think about it. Somebody wakes up from a coma, their business has been sold off, and then they just say, I'll go back to sleep until I'm needed again. This is what I would have done uh, if I was in Starfleet. I'd be yeah. like, hey... We would love to learn about your civilization. We've got yeah. lots of questions. Would you please yeah. tell us? And if you don't want to share technology, fine. But historically speaking, we want to know. Yeah. That's and, also very stuffy. Yeah. <laughs> Not to bother. Why wouldn't they? Come on. <laughs> they should bother, obviously. Because, I mean, that would be a whole thing in and of itself. Yeah. Like, think if you were an archaeologist and, like, this lost civilization, all of a sudden there's, like, a living, well, it's automated computer guy, but... It's a, basically a thing you can ask questions. It has all these records. That would be a treasure trove of oh, information. Oh, is that computer guy? Yeah, he's well, not. it'd have to be, wouldn't it? Otherwise, yeah. it's a god. Yeah. Yeah. Or just an alien, just a light being. It could be, but I got the impression that he was on an automated system of some oh. kind. Well, anyway, back on board the ship, Picard is happy with Riker and the gang's mission success. You've done well. Something to write home about. Something to write home about? Data? That's very human. The T-9 energy converter has been beamed aboard secure, sir. The Ferengi complained bitterly, but one final roar from Portal convinced them. I commend your performance, number one. One final request, sir. Permission to beam a box of Data's Chinese finger puzzles over to the Ferengi. A thank you for all they tried to do. Make it so. Set course, aboard. And they launched an iconic phrase with that. <laughs> it's like the triples one, isn't it? Where they transport all the triples over yes. to Klingons. Yeah. Yeah. There's a visual that goes with the end of this, which is so lame. <laughs> we see LaForge has now somehow got his finger stuck mm. in the Chinese finger puzzle. So, wah, wah. so Data has to do the controls for him. Uh. It's so lame. Jordi LaForge is stumped by a finger puzzle? <laughs> This is something I think most kids figure out when they're like six years old. Oh, really? It's not real hard. Is it fun for a kid to watch that and think, I know how to do that? I guess so. But man, it does not feel right. It, this episode is, is not good. The last outpost, more like the last outhouse. Oh, no! Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, scathing review there. Let's get into concepts. Oh, well, we've got a new alien species. Either they speak English strangely or the Universal Translator is on the fritz. Mm -hmm. We have Ferengi whips. We have the planet or an energy beam draining the ship's energy. That's a tired concept. Mm. Riker or the Federation's morality that they have to risk the Ferengi growing to destroy them. And they're let off completely. Mm -hmm. Very Starfleet. 
Now, this is about the original concept. I got this from a memory alpha. Mm -hmm. The original concept for the plot, the Enterprise-D followed the first Ferengi ship and had to face a Ferengi warship while in orbit of the planet. The ship lost their energy, away teams beamed to the surface, and had to face creatures that were described as a mixture of Earth dogs and Ferengi Uvex. Huh? What do you mean they had to face those creatures? They were a threat on the planet. They were just coincidentally a mixture, or the light being had put them there, a mixture of their two. No, I don't think it was literally a mixture of those things. I think it was just, it looked like it. it. So I would say it's an alien monstrosity, like a mixture between a bear and a cat. Right. This is the first time we've seen the Ferengi. Why are we describing it in terms of what their dog's like? We don't know what their dog's like. No, we don't, but it's later established what they look like. Uh, Beverly Crusher was part of the away team, and it was planned to let the Ferengi have green blood. Portal 63 was originally named Dillo, or Dilo, a groundskeeper of the planet. At the end of the story, the planet became a library planet for the humans and the Ferengi. So it became a repository for information, which I thought was interesting. And then that was something that the Ferengi and the Federation both had access to. Well, it's like a server out in the middle of space. No, it's a place that they had to share. Well, like a library. Yeah, it says specifically a library, (laughs) not like a library, a library. Why would you come all the way there, though, just to go to a library? Because it has information there that you can't have anywhere else. Why don't you just take it with you? Because they keep it there (laughs) so that the Ferengi and the Federation have to work together to share that information. Right. So it's like the planet would be teaching them a lesson. Like, if you guys work together, you can get great stuff. Oh. But if you're D-Wads, then no, you don't get anything. Well, they'd have one key each or something. They would have to unlock it at the same time. Or or the Guardian would allow information in and out when you get there. Yeah, a bit of an Organian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These concepts are pretty run-of-the-mill Star Trek. Mm. Not terrible, but not stretching anything out. So let's give it a four. Yeah, I said four. Entertainment. That's entertainment. Oh, yeah. It's a rehash. Star Trek V, the animated series, and TOS. Star Trek V? Yeah, don't they meet the light being in Star Trek V? Yeah. And fight it. The god? Yeah. They don't actually fight this guy. There's light beings like crazy in Star Trek. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out why this light bean feels more Star Trek-y five to you than any other episode of Star Trek. I guess just because they uh, show up there, he's a bearded guy, and then they leave and it was kind of inconsequential. You know, it's really strange you keep saying he's a bearded <laughs> guy. He doesn't have a beard. In this one? Yeah. He has no beard. He's got a prosthetic. He's like some old, he's a younger guy with old guy prosthetic on. So somehow you remember it with a beard, which is very strange to me. Glasses (laughs) time. I thought it was amateur. Yeah. The sets were blank. It was just choreographed poorly, Mm -hmm. slow pace. Oh, so slow. Very odd choices for the Ferengi. And boring somehow, ridiculously, even Mm. though we had a completely new alien species. Yeah. Course acting 101 with the distracting Ferengi. And I get that if you've been given a strong direction, you've got to stay in that character yes, the whole time. Of course. They could only do that. According to Armin Shimmerman, they were directed to jump up and down like crazed gerbils. <laughs> <laughs> they nailed it. Uh, yeah, Shimmerman said he, one of the reasons he took the role of Quark was to try and undo the damage done to the Ferengi in this episode. Oh. <laughs> So the introduction of the Ferengi has been panned and some production staff members have called it a disaster. It's in Quark's story in the Deep Space Nine season two, 
DVD special features. You can find that. Mm. There's a bunch of stuff there. On the other hand, Robert Justman thought the episode's portrayal of the Ferengi was the best depiction of the species. And that was from Star Trek magazine. What? Who's Robert Justman? A nut job. (laughs) (laughs) By that statement. I'm only judging him on that statement. Good makeup, though. And I quite liked their little outfits. Yeah. Data's something to write home about gag. Uh, Or whatever you'd call it. And the finger thing. Tiresome. Yeah. Just weak all around. Three out of ten. Man, I was so bored. So bored. So bored. And anytime anything interesting happened, it was interesting because it was so bad. <laughs> so I'm going to... A little throwaway philosophy bit that lasted two seconds. Yeah. It just was really poorly done. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go give it a two. Oh. Two out of ten. Oh. DC talked about the script being meddled with by not only Gene, but Leonard Maislish, the show's lawyer, after the final draft had been scheduled to go to print. Oh my God, yeah. Why? That was him. That was the one they had to make a special rule for. (laughs) There's a great documentary that we're going to watch called Trouble on the Bridge, which is about the making of The Next Generation. Oh. It's really good. But I think it's a little premature for us to watch it at this point. Very spoilerific. Yeah, so I think it's something good to watch. Maybe when we finish up the first season. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So sexiness. Ah, now we're talking. Oh, God, would I love to show you. (laughs) Sexiness. Riker's not creepy anymore, but he's not sexy. No. He's got the crotch bulge when he stands sideways Mm. and the unitard up his bum. (laughs) Unforgivable hair. He's got a nice bum, though. Yeah. Does. Is he a bit paunchy? You think he's paunchy? That he's, outfit is not flattering on him, that's all. No, I can he say. does put on a little weight later on. Yeah. When he gets the beard. I, I think he looks pretty trim. The creepy Ferengi talking about Yar's clothes and how she's tempting them to take them off her. Uh, oh, that takes it down quite a bit. Yeah. Two out of five. Sure, two out of mm. five. That sounds good to me. Uh, so your guesses? No, Troy didn't give a lot of exposition on the Ferengi. They had to work that out themselves. Mm-hmm. She should have known, probably. Worf, yes, he couldn't stand them and kind of stayed cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. Was the planet draining them without meaning to? No, no it was he, intentionally doing it. Because he'd just woken up and he thought he yeah. still had an empire. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if Data did another joke, did he? But he certainly did his phrases and his finger thing. Yeah. So, no, I got it most of No, he didn't do a joke. Nah, didn't do well. We can't win them all, Dinkles. No. So that was uh, another lackluster episode of The Next Generation. They eventually do get better. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. Our comment shows are going to be good. Oh, boy, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Man, there's been some serious debate going on about the last episode, The Code of Honor. Yeah. Some very thoughtful ideas about racism and, and how Yah was represented as and well exactly yeah, yeah there's a lot of really cool stuff t- that people are talking about it's a very respectful conversation over <laughs> yes. there really appreciate everybody being cool and not taking anything personally and our patrons are the best patrons yeah and i want to thank them yeah. for supporting our show without you we would not keep doing this and obviously your love of this makes it real <laughs> So real. So real. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you choosing us for your listening pleasure. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watch Star Trek. Star Trek!